Uh, just before we get started, a couple of things, uh, and then we'll invite Catherine Jane up to read the scripture today. Um, was first of all, uh, if you came, uh, do you remember our hamper program is happening and the due date is like now? And if you didn't bring it um, after the service, go home and get it and bring it because it needs to be in like this morning. So that's the final absolute deadline. If you don't bring it, we go out and buy it. So that's as simple as that. So if you could remember that, that'd be fantastic. Thank you for remembering it. Um, for the rest of you, just, uh, we're a family, and uh, when one of us is in mourning, we all are in mourning. And I want to remember Al Harms and his family today. Uh, many of you would already know that Eleanor uh, Harms went home to be with Jesus on uh, Wednesday morning. And uh, it's hard to believe uh, Eleanor has been part of this congregation since its very beginning. And uh, we uh, are, this is shocking news for, for all of us and for Al especially. And Al's here this morning. It's brave of you to be here. We are with you, brother. We care about you. And we're going to take a moment and pray for you right now. Uh, so, Lord, I pray for Al and, and his three daughters and their families, the grandchildren and great-grandchildren, who uh, are grieving a deep, deep loss today. I know they're not alone in this, uh, God. There's others we, we know as well, but we lift up our brother today. Would you provide your comfort, your encouragement, your strength? I pray in your mercy you'd meet him and his family today. And even as we uh, look at your word today and, and consider the message of good news in this season, we believe it's good news for those who are grieving. We, we bless you, Lord. We thank you for, for being with us in this space. We ask these things together in Jesus' name. Amen. Catherine Jane, come on up and, and read the scripture. We're rereading a passage we already read this morning, so from an, a child's uh, voice to a, an adult's. Uh, why don't we all stand together for the reading of God's word? So the passage is in Luke 2, 8 to 15. Get your Bibles or your phones out. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. But this word come alive to you in a new way today. Lord, would you bless the reading of your word. Catherine Jane, please have a seat. Uh, many of you know often uh, when we end our services, we end with a benediction or a word of blessing. And we often end with the same one. I often quote Numbers chapter 6 where Aaron pronounces this blessing over God's people on behalf of Moses. And uh, I, I know it from memory, so I will typically recite it. I won't have it written down anywhere. And sometimes I actually get it wrong. 
And some of you never notice because I just kind of make up a blessing on the spot. I just, it, it all jumbles together there and, and it comes out somehow in the wash. It's okay. It's still a good benediction, just not quite keeping with the text. But I love this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn toward you and give you his peace. And no, you don't get to go home right now. We're, we got a whole sermon to get through. I love every part of that uh, blessing, and I love especially how it ends. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. In the text we uh, just had read, again, the, the, the shepherds, or pardon me, the angels actually announced that blessing, that benediction to the shepherds and actually to the whole earth. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace on earth. This morning I want to talk about peace. The thing about peace is, kind of like joy and hope, uh, peace can be one of those words that kind of dissolves into Christmas white noise. (laughs) Uh, we see it on cards and ornaments and home decor knickknacks. Uh, we hear it in songs and in children's programs. And yes, we hear about it and speak it in messages just like this one. If you're uh, like me, you can hear it so frequently that it can kind of drift into sentimental clatter, you know, stripped of the, the kind of heaviness or weightiness that peace demands. Uh, we see it, as we said, If there's ever been a time where there is a need for a peace that's three-dimensional and that's real and tangible, I would say it's now. Now, to get there, it's important for us to acknowledge the backdrop of our, our desire for peace emerges against a backdrop of heartache and pain and longing. Um... I recently uh, rediscovered a poem by Henry Longfellow, uh, uh, pardon me, Henry Wadsworth, what a middle name, hey, Wadsworth Longfellow. Uh, It's titled Christmas Bells, and he wrote this poem on Christmas Day in 1863. And Longfellow's yearning for peace was actually quite personal. Just two years before, he'd lost his wife Frances to a house fire. In March of that year, in 1863, his 19-year-old son, Charlie, secretly left home to enlist in the Union Army and went off to fight in the American Civil War. And at the Battle of Mine Run, Charlie was shot and seriously injured. And he arrived home at his father's house on December 8th, just a couple weeks before Longfellow wrote this poem as he made his long recovery back to health. So two two weeks later, when his father sat down to write this poem where he expresses this longing for peace, his combat-wounded son is recovering just down the hall from the brutality of of war and, and trauma and anxiety. These were not abstract ideas for Longfellow. The absence of peace was a void that was all too real. In the first verses of of Christmas bells. Wadsworth paints a scene where peace on earth is this cheerful line that is sung and quoted by good church-going folk. Then he shifts to the horror that violence inflicts on those lives touched by wars. He writes, it was as if an earthquake rent or tore 
the hearthstones or the foundations of a continent and made forlorn or made hopeless the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth and goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Longfellow, I'd say, spoke of our longing for peace, our lament and grief also over the absence of peace. And he closes his verse with a confident hope that in and through God's grace, peace will come. So with that in mind this morning, let's think about the blessing and message of peace to us that comes through Jesus. And I want to speak uh, about it to five groups of people who I would say hunger for it, especially in this season. Those experiencing crisis, uh, those experiencing isolation from God, conflict, grief, and war. First, peace for those in crisis. Uh, you know, when I was uh, studying to become a pastor, uh, we were talking about how to put together a Sunday morning service and I'll never forget one of the lines my prof quoted at that time. He said, never underestimate the pain in the room. Never underestimate the pain in the room. No matter what else you plan, the music, the message, whatever other creative elements are involved, nothing will speak more loudly to some than their pain. I, I like the honest confession of local author Michael Mason, a, a pastor and writer. I have a book of his Advent Reflections I read every year. And he writes this in one of his Christmas readings. He says, Christmas tends to be hard, a hard time for me as it is for many. As the angels gather to announce their, tide, uh, their glad tidings, there is a parallel gathering of the demons of materialism, busyness, unrealistic expectations, old sadnesses, and family strife. And it's true. <laughs> Christmas can be a hard time for many. In fact, life can be a hard time for many. Some of you know, in August of this year, the Canadian government launched the 988 Mental Health Helpline. People experiencing mental health stress or crisis could simply call or text 988 and talk to a trained responder. In the United States, they introduced 988 one year ago, a year earlier, and since the introduction of that 988 helpline, Six million people have called in or texted or, or chatted with these crisis responders. About 14,000 interactions every day. And, and I'm really glad that, that we have these kind of supports in our community because we seem to be in a cultural crisis when it comes to mental health. And it doesn't have to be quite so dramatic. Uh, so many are, are simply just trying to make it through to to navigate the stress of living in what is often feels like a confusing and challenging world. You know, the uh, biblical concept of peace is based on this Hebrew word called shalom. You probably are familiar with that. Uh, shalom means soundness or wholeness or well-being. And I'd suggest that in our community, there's a, a longing for the kind of peace that resembles shalom and speaks to our concerns and our anxieties and our fears. 
You know, John's gospel tells us that after Jesus' resurrection, he does this thing uh, where, where the disciples are barricaded in an upper room because of fear. And I want to say this, because at that point, they weren't the apostles who wrote epistles. They were the apostles who felt fear like you felt fear, like you feel it. Think about it. It says, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. I love that. I think of of so many of the things that Jesus could have said, and his first words to his fearful disciples were, peace be with you. Of course, if we were good Anglicans, we'd respond with, and also with you, right? But Jesus came in to, to break into our hearts and our minds with his peace. This Advent, when we think of peace, let's remember the truth of Jesus who meets each of us in the fog of our fears and in the midst of whatever crisis we might be going through. Jesus wants to speak over you his peace. Secondly, uh, peace for those in isolation. While some people are struggling with internal anxieties and stressors, others are struggling with a, a sense of spiritual rupture or isolation from God. And for reasons they may not fully understand, they feel like God is, is simply far, far away from them. And, and it could be uncertainty in their lives. Uh, it could be um, honest doubt. It, it could be the weight of shame they feel from some recent cycle of rebellion in their life. But they feel like there's this huge rift between them and God, and they aren't sure how to bridge the gap. And and I'd say some of you might even feel like you're in that place right now. You've got got doubt, or you feel maybe like God is somehow angry with you. Some of you, I I think, are hard-pressed to actually get that out of your head your whole lifetime. You've been nagged by that feeling that God is mad at you. Maybe you, know, maybe you know you're in the wrong and you feel cut off or isolated from God. I remember a, an experience in my last year of high school. Um, I had just become a Christian when I was 17, so just between grade 11 and grade 12. And I was an enthusiastic new Christian. <laughs> I mean, I, I really did become a convert. I, I, it, it was darkness to light for me. Like, I, I was... Um, really excited about my newfound faith in Jesus, so much so that I became president of the church youth group. Did you know that back in the day, kids, that they had presidents of youth groups? They no longer have presidents of youth groups, but I was the president very quickly on. I I don't know if it's a good thing to put a new Christian into presidency, but I ruled well. Um, But inside me, as much as there was this outward exuberance in my faith, Inside, I knew there was a big gap between what I believed and how I lived. And uh, I, I, I remember that there was kind of in me a part of me that was living a double life and parts of me that I was ashamed of. Brokenness that was raising up and darkness. And I knew that uh, in some ways in my life I was playing with fire. And at times God felt very, very far away from me. And I remember uh, one day, there was a moment where I was feeling just a lot of regret and a lot of shame, and uh, I just kind of prayed, God, help me. 
And interesting, in that moment, um, a Bible verse popped into my head. It was, never will I leave you or forsake you. I didn't know where it was. I just knew that verse. And, it, and I heard that line, never will I leave you or forsake you. God's word to his people. And uh, in that moment, I, I received what I would describe as a sliver of comfort and a, uh, a, a little bit of hope. <laughs> and interestingly enough, that the shame and the, 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 the brokenness didn't kind of go away over the next months, but this verse didn't leave me. <laughs> it just kept popping up, never will I leave you or forsake you. And friends, I began to eventually believe those words, that God would never leave me or forsake me. I know many of you have learned this, that God's kindness is what draws us to repentance. It's God's kindness that draws us to return to him when we've gone away. And so let me say to you this morning, despite of what you've done or where you've been, God has not abandoned you. Rather, he turns toward you to give you peace. He does that for spiritually isolated people. His love for us is that great. Thirdly, uh, this message is a message of hope for people in conflict. Now, I, I think if, uh, if we're honest, just about every family approaches the, the, the holidays and the break that we have with uh, some joy and maybe just a little bit of dread, right? Joy at the wonder of, of holiday gatherings, family meals, hospitality, getting together with friends and family, and dread because there's just that one family member who... But let's be honest, the relationship is just a little stressed or strained. There's this, this thing that's been carried forward, and it could be a marriage that's in a hard season. Uh, it may be unresolved conflict between parents and children, or children and parents. Uh, it might be years of long, simmering resentment that you barely know is there, but if you're honest, you know it's there between you and your siblings. It could be a recent rupture between you and a long-time friend. For you, the, the proclamation of peace is the reminder that Christ sees and knows and cares about the fractured relationships in our lives. And it's the de declaration that peace is more than just kind of the absence of family tension or the absence of a family fight. Peace, it's the possibility of true reconciliation which is available in and through the Prince of Peace. You know, one of the, the foremost early churches in the first century was the church in Ephesus. And, and it was experiencing conflict. Their church was made up of Jews and Gentiles. And, and I don't think it's understating, overstating it to say in that day there was no greater racial, ethnic barrier between peoples, and here you had Jews and Gentiles in the same church. And Paul graciously tells the church in Ephesus that peace is not a, a state or an event, but that peace is a person. He said, for he, he himself, Jesus is our peace, who has made the two groups, the Jews and the Gentiles, one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. 
Peace is a person. And so in Jesus, in what he did on the cross for us, we're told the things that divide us aren't relevant anymore. There's hope for, in him, fractured relationships. He can actually give us the kind of courage. He can do the kind of work in us that will give us the, the attitude and the humility that we can actually work out broken relationships. And, and I find this true in my relationship with my wife. If I'm going to have conflict with anyone in the world, it's going to be more often than not her. I have conflict with other people. We just live together, so it's a little bit more frequent. And I find the Holy Spirit works in us to draw us towards one another even when we've said not nice things to one another. A lot of you know that kind of working of the Spirit. And I would say this, reconciliation is not always possible. But let me also say this, Jesus is a peacemaker. What did he say about peacemakers? Blessed are the peacemakers because they will be called children of God. Peacemakers resemble me, in other words. And I would say this, peacemaking can start in just everyday relationships, in baby steps. Through his grace, we can help mend fractured relationships. We can initiate hard conversations. We can apologize. We can be slow to take offense. And we can forgive. Because this message of peace is for those in conflict. Fourth, this is a message of peace for those in mourning. As we think of the loss this week of our dear dear friend, Eleanor, the grief we share there. I've been Eleanor's pastor for 25 years, and I've known her for 30. Some of you have known her for decades longer, and I think, Al, you were married for more than 60. We know that loss is great. Last night, I just got a text first thing this morning. My friend Jim, his mother, passed away last night. And we know that every time that we near the holidays, there will be families in our church who are facing the, their first Christmas without a loved one, either because of death or divorce. Matthew's gospel tells us that God is not deaf to the cries of the grieving. You, you know, at the, the time of uh, Jesus' birth, Herod's response to the birth of the Christ child was actually what? It was fear. <laughs> he looked at this Messiah king that was coming. He, he thought, this is a threat to my rule, to my power. And so what did he do? Out of fear, he murdered all the young boys in Bethlehem. We, we often overlook this really dark and gruesome part of the Christmas story and that, how grievous that would be to the mothers and fathers and families in that city. This was Matthew's account of it. He says, Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. I'd say this as a culture, sometimes at Christmas time, sometimes even in this church, we can be overly exuberant and positive. I tend to be overly exuberant and positive just by personality. But we can be all bright lights, big dreams, bold hopes. They, they kind of rule the day, don't they, at this time of year for, for many of us. But I don't think it's always 
fair or honest to families who grieve as others celebrate the wonder of Christmas. Today is uh, December 17th. To many of you, it'd be just another day. It's an important day to me. December 17th is my dad's birthday. And if he was still living today, he would turn 90 today. A few years ago, we lost my dad quite quickly to an aggressive cancer. And his death left a gaping hole in our lives. The comforting message that we needed to hear and still need to hear is the promise that Jesus is both the resurrection and the life, and those who believe in him still yet live. (laughs) That God offers the kind of peace that actually transcends the grave. I hold on to it for my own life. I hold on to it for us and for you. Jesus' words, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are you who mourn, for you will eventually experience God's comfort. Finally, we think of the message of peace for those in war. Years ago, Angel and I got an opportunity to visit the Holy Land. It was an amazing experience. As part of our trip, we didn't at all go into Palestine, and yet we really wanted to. And so we had a few extra days tacked on to the end of our time in Jerusalem where we decided to take a day trip across what was heavily guarded walls and men with guns. And we went into Palestine and um, visited the West Bank. We visited places like Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, and Hebron, where Abraham and Rachel and, and uh, Isaac are buried. And we bought some, in, in Bethlehem, we bought some hand-carved um, Christmas ornaments made out of olive tree wood that we still treasure to this day. I learned later that if we'd wanted to, we could have picked up more unusual ornaments from a specific craftsman in Bethlehem. In this man's neighborhood, it wasn't uncommon for the Israeli military to disperse regular protests with tear gas. And this man, this this artisan, would go out onto the streets after these protests and he'd collect all the tear gas canisters and he'd take the caps and he would take them home and he'd polish them and and make them look, look pretty and he'd put a hole in the top and he'd actually put ribbon through and make Christmas ornaments out of these tear gas um canisters. It's a telling reminder to us that modern-day Bethlehem is not the sleepy town of our Christmas carols. It's an active conflict zone. This last week on Monday night, we had a a very special family moment. Our, Our two sons came home for a family dinner, and they brought each of them a girlfriend who they're quite in love with. I know it's breaking news. It's really exciting. And we had the most wonderful evening. Just literally, I I expected fun, frivolity, but we literally sat around the table for several hours just chatting about everything. And the conversation with these four young adults eventually turned to the horrific, awful devastation that's happening in Gaza right now. And and one of our sons just confessed, confessed the kind of overwhelm they were feeling as they considered not just Gaza, but all of the war zones in the world right now. They say, I I don't know how to handle this onslaught of of news that is so awful and, and terrible. 
And I want to say this, you don't have to live in a war zone to have a longing for an end to hostilities that have ravaged communities in places like Gaza and Ukraine and Armenia and Iran and Yemen and Ethiopia and in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And even if we live beyond the scream of missiles and the roar of tanks, we should care about those uh, who are living within the reach of war and, and experiencing its impact firsthand. Interesting, uh, we heard it quoted this morning, but in identical phrasing, two Old Testament prophets, Isaiah and Micah, declared a future day when wars will cease and peace will come. He, God, will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Oh Lord, we pray for such a day. And in the meantime, we work for justice, and we advocate for peace. In Northern Ireland, we know that there has been a long conflict, a history of conflict in that region between the Protestants and the Catholics. How tragic that kind of two versions of the Christian faith are so divided against each other. There's a city there that has been so divided, part of the population calls it Londonderry, and the other part of the population calls it Derry. In this city, Protestants live on the east bank and Catholics on the west bank. And many of them don't like to mix, so one of the solutions was to actually build a bridge. They built this 900-foot bridge that curves kind of like a snake, and it's for walkers and joggers and cyclists. And they named it the Peace Bridge. I love that. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to build a bridge to build peace. And so Jesus invites us to, to be bridge builders in a world of walls, to work to bring down the dividing walls of hostility that exist in our world, to bring social and economic and multi-ethnic shalom to our communities. Shalom is not just an absence of conflict, but the presence of wholeness and harmony, life as it should be. It brings me back to the words of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep, God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. I'm going to invite Bill and the team to come on up here, but why don't we take some time to reflect this morning and respond to this message of peace in our own lives. Some of you could, I think, probably relate to not just one of these areas, one of these categories, but you might be able to relate to two or three or more, and you need to hear this morning the message of peace from Jesus in a very personal way today. So why don't you bow your heads with me? Let's just take a moment, invite God's Spirit to come. We say again, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Some of you, uh, if you're honest, you might be struggling with crisis. And it could be that anxieties and fears have grown large for you. I want to encourage you, you are not alone in that. 
I know uh, for many of us, anxieties dog us through our lives. It's a thing that you uh, think about when you're quiet in the middle of the night. You're afraid. You're hurting. I'll never forget the, the scene with Aslan and Susan in that great Narnia book, Prince Caspian. And when Aslan, who represents Jesus, he, he says these profound things to Susan. Susan who'd gone astray. Susan who'd gotten lost. And uh, how does she make her way back? And Aslan says to her, you have listened to fears, child. You have listened to fears. Come, let me breathe on you. Forget them. Are you brave again? Since Jesus is saying that to some of you this morning, fears have been the loudest voice in your heart and in your mind. And Jesus wants to breathe on you. He did that in the upper room when he broke into that room when, he was, when they were afraid. He, he, it says he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray you would uh, do a work in our heart, hearts and our minds, those things that make us anxious. Replace them with your peace and your love, Lord. Would you deepen our experience of peace? The peace that passes understanding. doesn't make sense, but I pray, give us courage again, we ask. Why don't you just pray for his peace in your heart and your mind right now? Just take a moment and respond in prayer. There may be those who are feeling spiritually isolated and, and you can relate to the idea of God feeling far away and distant. Please know this morning that God has not abandoned you. As he said it to me, I believe he's saying it to you, never will I leave you or forsake you. There is nothing, nothing you can do that would cause me to love you less. I want to say, despite of where you've been or what you've done, God has not given up on you. Why not take a moment? Just be real with God this morning. Maybe you start with a prayer. God, help me. God, forgive me. Do a new thing in me, God. I pray for your peace. Some of you know that there's maybe one or more fractured or strained relationships in your life. And uh, your prayer this morning could be literally a response to say, God, I'll, I'll take the first step. I'll initiate that conversation. I'll, 
actually pray about this. I'll actually make a phone call. I'll, I'll forgive. It takes courage. Jesus can give you the kind of courage, the Spirit of God working in us to, to bring down the walls of hostility, to mend relationships, or grace to bear offenses. Why don't you invite God into your relationships right now? Just take a moment. Ask him to help you reconcile and restore any relationship that comes to mind. We also want to be mindful of those who this message of peace is needed because they're grieving and you've lost a treasured family member or you're experiencing the pain of divorce and this separation is, is almost seems too much to bear. And we pray in these moments that you, God might meet you in your grief and in your loss. Uh, he might speak to you about his comfort that comes. Again, the Spirit, uh, we're told he's the comforter. And I pray, Holy Spirit, would you comfort your people? Comfort Al and his daughters this week. Meet them in their pain. We remember many in our congregation who've lost loved ones this year. Would you be gracious to them in these days? Grant them your peace. At this moment, uh, Canada is not at war, but we know of the wars that are raging around our world, and we know many of you have come from war-torn countries. You maybe came to Canada because of the war that happened in your home country, and you've seen the devastation firsthand, and some of you have been traumatized by it, quite frankly, and where you need God's peace is you need His healing today from what you've seen and what you've experienced, we're praying that God would give you grace there. His peace would flood your memories and your emotions. He'd heal you. And of course, we would remember those conflicts that we mentioned earlier around the world, and we would pray, Jesus, Lord Jesus, would you make peace there? Oh God, you hear the cries of the suffering and those who are hurting, and we pray, Jesus, this morning, you would break into those situations like you broke into a locked room. I pray, God, would you break in and bring healing to the nations, Lord. Oh, Father, we long for the day when there will be no more war, where violence will cease, where this kind of injustice that we see around the world of the powerful and the weak, and Lord, we'd, we'd long for you to step in and and bring about your shalom, not just to us personally, but to our whole world. All creation groans and longs for this, and we join with all creation saying, 
Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the gift of peace that you still our storms. Would you again in these days, would you cause us to reach out to you? You are so ready to respond. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, let's do that again. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, your name is a light that the shadows can't deny. Your name cannot be overcome. Your name is life forever lifted high. Your name cannot be overcome. Your name cannot be overcome. One more time. Your name cannot be overcome. Amen. So glad that uh, you were able to be with us this morning and uh, trust that God's been working in your life and will continue to do so. We're here to do that with each other. Um, we have a couple of things. Refreshments are back there. Please stay, make a friend. Um, if you'd like prayer this morning, we'd love to pray with you. Our prayer team will be up here at the front and come on up. Uh, we hear stories and, and rumors of answered prayer and it's prayers often when we are praying together. So please feel free to avail yourself of that. Um, a reminder, uh, next Sunday, Christmas Eve, we will not be having a 9 and 11 service. If you show up there, there'll be a sign on the door that says, or, well, that will remind you of that. So um, 3, 5, and 7. And uh, again, let's throw out the welcome mat. We believe Jesus is the best news in the world. So let's share that news and invite anybody who might come. And uh, really looking forward to our Christmas Eve services. Um, please be mindful of like, it'll be dark, and just be safe, be careful in our parking lot, all those kind of things. Take, take appropriate measures, uh, but I uh, want to invite you to come, and, and, and uh, we'll celebrate Christ's birth together. Amen? Now, receive this benediction. I, I have to give the benediction, right, after, after we started with this. Am I going to get it right? That's the question. May the Lord bless you.